Welcome, everybody, to episode 20 of Gen Z Rockets. I'm your host, Nima Javadzada, and you can find me on Twitter at FindingNima23 and the podcast at Gen Z Rockets. Today with me, I have a very special guest, one of my favorite accounts on Twitter and one of my favorite podcasters. We have Mark Schindler. Mark, how are you doing today? Really good, man. I appreciate the intro. And also, I uh, somehow I never realized that that your uh, your handle was Finding Nima, and that's priceless. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um but no, I'm doing really well today, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, I've been running with that for a while. And like kindergarten, a bunch of kids called me Nemo. And so I had to, had to, <laughs> had to stick it through. Yeah. And, uh, of course, and it, as as children are tend to do, man. Like, exactly. If, if your name's even remotely close to a different name, that's your name. So had had to uh, had to own it. And eventually it became my handle on uh, on most social media platforms. But today... Um, we are here to talk about the draft lottery that happened a few nights ago in the, the upcoming draft. As we all know, the, the Rockets slipped from one to two, but things could have been a lot worse if they had potentially gotten that fifth pick going to Oklahoma City. Uh, I am ecstatic. I, I really wanted a pick in that top three. I think that uh, Cade, um, Green, and Mobley are just, you know, transcendent players i do like i do like jalen suggs as well but that top three for me just had a lot higher potential i am a bit upset that there's there's not going to be uh kate cunningham in houston unless uh the rumors of detroit loving jalen green uh come to fruition and he ends up going first overall but i brought you on here today to kind of talk about the draft uh, you have had some great draft analysis and so uh, i do want to hear your thoughts and i'm sure other rockets fans do as well uh, about the guys that we could potentially target about the guys that we can draft and what you think would be the best situation for Houston uh, come draft day. So we're going to go ahead and start with the second overall pick, the biggest pick between, you know, most likely, let's just say for all for arguments, sake, Cade Cunningham gets off the board at number one. Uh, who do you think should the Rockets pick at number two? Um, I mean, it's, it sounds really simplistic, but to me, it's an, it's an easy Evan Mobley. Um, I think, in looking through this year's draft and, you know, I, I mean, I do my own work, but also in talking to people who I really respect. Um, I mean, Evan Mobley's a guy who probably would have gone first overall last year if he's in the same draft cycle. Uh, and he's absolutely fantastic. I think there's this idea that, okay, well, not, not that bigs are bad, but I think there's been a general trend that associate like, Oh, well, okay. You know, why would you want to draft a big man second overall? That seems like a mistake. Um, I think it's more about if you draft a big man who fits uh, where the NBA has started a trend towards, uh, that means a ton. And especially looking at Mobley, like he's a guy who has fantastic ball skills, really good passer. Um, like he's not a guy who I think is going to be like a Sabonis level passer or anything like that. But in terms of, you know, he's he, he could work, work as a post sub. Uh, he's shown some versatility with his shot. And I think that that's going to translate to the NBA and, it may take him a couple of seasons before that's something consistent, but uh, the biggest thing is just his mo his movement skills are are absurd for somebody his size, seven feet tall, but he moves like a wing on the court, and that extends out to what I think is the most important thing with looking at a big now is a okay you have to be able to hang on the court offensively like you can't be a negative, but the biggest thing too is you have to be able to play multiple coverages like I think we've even seen that just in in the playoffs like it's really hard to run out drop coverage the entire game. I, I'm not like one of the people who was going all the way to say drop coverage is dead or anything like that. It's viable in spurts, but you also have to be able to do other stuff. Evan Mobley could, uh, could switch out on the perimeter. Like we saw, like they played UConn, USC played UConn early in the year. 
He switched out on James Booknight a couple times uh, and actually gave him quite a few problems on the interior in that game. But he's a fantastic rim protector who can defend, you know, coming coming over from the weak side or standing straight up, at, you know, uh, down a runway, you can funnel to him. He gives you the ability to do kind of everything on defense while still maintaining quite a bit on offense. And to me, that's uh, that's worthy of the second overall pick for sure. Yeah, I mean, so me personally, I am on Team Green. Jalen Green is my guy for that second mm-hmm. overall pick. But I do like a lot of things about Mobley. I think the reason why a lot of people are so hard on big men, I mean, we saw with Marvin Bagley and kind of how he flamed out. Uh, and, you know, I say that as if he's, you know, gonna not going to be anybody. He's only like 22 years old. So there's a lot of there's a lot of future there for him still in the league. But uh, with the other guys that were drafted around him, I mean, you see Aiden and Trey Young now in, in conference finals, you know, being some of the best players on their teams, uh, some of the best players in the league even. And then, you know, Luka Doncic being Luka Doncic and Jaron Jackson Jr. went healthy. You know, Marvin Bagley in that five, you know, it's it's kind of an, an anomaly almost. Um, and then, you know, just historically, whenever a big man is picked top three, it's it, it never really goes well unless they're this kind of transcendent big man. But I feel like a lot of it is because we're so hard on players so early. I mean, you know, we see a 21-year-old guy who seems to be struggling a little bit, and we write him off immediately like this kid shouldn't still be in college, you know. Um, Evan Mobley, 7 feet, 215. It's hard to be a 7-footer in in the NBA. It's a lot harder than it is, in my opinion, to be 7 feet than it is to be 6 foot 5 in the NBA. Uh, You know, you get get this – a lot of people are, you know, the same size as you. You get – in terms of strength, you know, um, and whenever you're an 18, 19, 20 year old big man, seven feet tall, 30 pounds goes a long way whenever the guy next to you is 250, 260, and you're coming in at 220 pounds. So you also don't get like the, uh, the practice against these guys. I mean, you're going up against seven footers in games, let's say in the NCAA, but how many of the seven footers are good enough to actually make the NBA? These are guys who are playing basketball. You know, they might love it. They might be really good at it in terms of, you know, the average person, but a big part of why they are where they are is because they are seven feet in high school, in high school and in college, the taller guys you always see will, will have an easier time making these teams because of height. Whenever you're seven foot in the NBA, all that goes away. These are the top of the top of the people your height, and it, it gets a lot smaller. It's, it's harder for you to kind of compete with that. So I feel like a lot of people are hard on big men coming into the, coming into the NBA. Um, I do think that there's a little bit more of a learning curve there uh, in terms of adjustment. But I want to hear what, what do you think separates – obviously, they're different players, different positions – but what separates Mobley from Jalen Green for you for that second spot? Or even Jalen Suggs, whoever you have at third? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I would automatically have Jalen Suggs number four just because I, I think Jalen Green is uh, – like, it's it's so hard because I think you look at everything, and I've this is my first year really doing um, in-depth draft work, and I think looking at it, you can see a lot of scenarios where, okay, maybe Jalen Suggs ends up a better player than Jalen Green, but – Right now, okay, I see Jalen Green's length. I see the passing flashes. I see, okay, this guy could – I could theoretically see him score 25 points per game in a season because of some of the stuff that he's doing with his handle and um, the length that he brings. The, uh, I mean, he's got close to the first best first step in, in, in the draft. Um, he just has that blend that, that Suggs doesn't, but Suggs still really good. 
point being, I just think I look at it in terms of even if he doesn't hit his highest ceiling, I think Jalen Green is going to be really good. I think the same about Jalen Suggs, but I think more um, when you're in the top five, if you have an opportunity to draft somebody who could be an all NBA player instead of, you know, maybe a really plus starter, you have to go for that. And that's why I'm where I'm at with Jalen Green. With Evan Mobley, I mean, he's a guy who I think could be – I don't like putting crazy lofty expectations on somebody, but, like, I wouldn't – I would be pretty surprised if he doesn't make a couple all-defense teams, uh, multiple-time all-star. Um, like, I think he's going to be that good. Uh, the biggest thing is just, like and, – and I totally understood stood your point and where you're coming from on the learning curve for big men, and uh, it's a little bit easier playing in college. And I would totally agree. I mean – um, one of the things that I, I've looked at a lot this year is, I don't know if you watch Illinois at all, but Kofi Coburn, it's a yeah. seven-footer. I love him. Great vibes. Going to be awesome in, in the Euro League. But um, it's rough because you see so many people are like, oh, he's seven feet tall. He's just like dominating. He's going to be so good in the NBA. Like I saw people all year this year saying, oh, he's going to be a, a lottery pick. I'm like, no, he's not. Like, And that's not to be rude. And I know this isn't even about the point, but like larger point. Um, you look at him and it's like, okay, well, he cannot move his feet on the perimeter. And that's yeah. not even, that's not anything against him. That's just straight up. Like that's an athletic limitation. He cannot hang in the NBA. He doesn't have a good second jump. So you can't really count on him to be a rim protector other than for, for one shot. Um, so it's like looking at small little things like that with Evan Mobley, his second jump is ridiculous. Um, his timing is fantastic. Um, and the, like the one knock I would say there is on him, like you mentioned his weight, he is pretty, I wouldn't even consider him slight right now, but um, he is like his, his hips are pretty high, uh, but he does move his feet really well. But it's just, if with, with higher hips, it's easier for somebody to get up into you. Um, it just makes it a little bit harder to be a good post defender, but at the same time with how the league is gone, I'm not really that worried about it because the only real dudes you're worried about in a post up are like, okay, Ennis Cantor, who's playing 15 minutes a game, Nikola Jokic, who it doesn't matter who you put on him, he's going to score, um, and Joel Embiid. And nobody can defend Joel Embiid at a credible level. So right. I just look at what he can do against 97% of the NBA. Um, like, he would automatically make the Rockets pretty close to an average defensive team. And they were already on track for being a good defensive team before they had some of uh, some injuries hit and whatnot. Um, but – Point being with Mobley, like I just I see so many fewer scenarios where he's not a positive NBA player than when I look at a guy like Jalen Green. Um, and I still think he's going to be a positive NBA player, but I just see with Mobley, like I think he's just got so much potential to be one of the best players in the NBA for a really long time. And with Green, I mean, he, he, he does have that, too. It's just easier to see it with Mobley. That's fair. And I, you know, I get that. And I think that Mobley does have a lot of potential um, in ter- as well as green. In my opinion, green has the highest ceiling, but that floor is just uh, very low. Um, and, you know, you, especially with guards, it's very hard to gauge, especially these athletic guards who that athleticism is kind of the first thing you see whenever, whenever you look at them. I have a little bit of a hesitancy to uh to really put all my eggs in that kind of basket we've seen a lot of those players not really pan out in the nba uh long term or not really reach their potential just because you know we base so much off of 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 their play off of you know what's basically 19 year old athleticism you're a lot more athletic at that age than at any point really um and it's but in terms of jalen green and also jonathan kaminga i do feel like you know we kind of underrate the level of which they played 
Um, you know, the G League, in my opinion, is a whole other world above the NCAA. Uh, some of, like, you know, the top 40, 50 players in the NCAA might make the league, but then the bottom 10 of those are playing half of the season in the G League that next year. And the next, you know, 100 of them might make the G League or overseas, but a lot of the guys in the NCAA that you're playing don't can't even make the G League. So um, I do think that there is something to be said about how well Jalen Green did and uh, in the in the G League bubble, but also, you know, similar to a lot of other guys, even further down in the uh, in, in the draft who aren't projected as highly. Um, there's just such a small sample size around these two guys and there's a lot of questions. Um, and, you know, both of them, Green and Kaminga, have a lot of questions around their games that we just haven't seen enough of them yet to really be able to get answers to some of them. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see what the Rockets do with the number two pick. I do have one more question in terms of this pick and also in terms of Evan Mobley. Um, the NBA is kind of going a bit smaller, as are the Houston Rockets. I mean, we kind of had the whole small ball thing that didn't really work out very well last year. But um, drafting a seven footer like Evan Mobley, playing him next to a six foot ten uh, Christian Wood, both very similar uh, builds, both very similar offensive uh, versatility. How do you think that those two players could play off of each other? How do you think they fit next to each other? Um, and what do you think is kind of the best way to go about that? Do you think possibly the Rockets should trade Wood um, and move Mobley into his position? Or do you think it's, it's best to, you know, try and figure those two guys out together? Um, I mean, I think I just say right now with, with being blunt, I mean, the Rockets went 17 and 55 last year, so I'm not too worried about fit. Um, yeah. Like where the roster's at now, and I would say too, um, like I think that roster was better last year than than seventeen fifty five. There was a lot. Like if Christian's not injured, I think it's a different season. A lot um, of guys were injured. I mean, yeah, we about- exactly. Like it's not just Christian. Like even when Victor was there, like there was that small stretch when Victor and John Wall were both healthy that the team actually looked kind of good. Um, the offense was not, but like the defense was freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and then Christian goes down, and it was just the end of it i watched way too much rockets last year um, but i really enjoyed them like Jay, uh, dude anytime to watch jay sean tate is sign me up yeah um, jay sean tate man he's fantastic but i think i would just say um like you know if you look at this more like i think if i look at this like last year or two years ago i'm thinking along the same lines as you like okay do i really want those two guys to play together i look at it like christian i trust him to be out on the perimeter a little bit on defense um i definitely do with evan um and I think I just look at it too. Both guys are incredibly skilled offensive players. Uh, I, what I was really impressed by and happy with was Christian shot continued to translate. I wasn't sure, you know, given small sample size in Detroit before the season got shut down, I wasn't sure if that three was going to continue for him in, in Houston. It did. He's taking it with the same confidence, same level. Um, and I like the idea of Christian not having to be the sole rim protector. Cause I don't think he's great at that. Um, the one thing I would say, like, you've got a ton of length there. You'd still need both guys to fill out because that's been one of the knocks on Christian so far. He definitely needs to add some strength. But my point is, like, looking at that, okay, that solidifies your defense quite a bit um, because I think if you can have Christian in a role that's a little bit more off-ball and he's not the primary rim protector, that'll be great. Um, but also just offensively, I think that'll work. Both are smart. They can move the ball. Uh, I don't – I mean, it's one of the things on Evan that I think you could look at is he's – not necessarily a dominant scorer and more so like he doesn't look to to take over on ball which I don't think is necessarily a knock that's something that I think he'll grow into hopefully um 
but Christian already has that mentality. And I think that's just a plus if you can have those two guys together. Um, I have no idea whether or not they'll fit or what the, that'll look like together, but I, I can see it working. I can see it not working, but the point is like, yeah. they're both really good. Uh, especially, I mean, Christian's fantastic already borderline all-star um, drafted and see what happens. Uh, I just think that there's talent there and you have to yeah. figure it out as you go. So um, I would be all in on that. And I, I like Jalen Green a lot. I just think it's it's so hard. Like, I, there's just an, an entire other tier between uh, Mobley and Green. Um, and I, I like your point about the G League Ignite. Um, that's one thing I'm really interested to see after this year because I was really unsure of how to gauge that in looking at things. And I think that's why one of the reasons I have Green over Suggs. Um, part of my thing with Suggs was he's really insulated by playing – and I don't mean that in a rude way, but like he played on one of the five best college basketball teams since 2000. Um, like the offensive talent on that team was ridiculous. So even on nights where he didn't have it, it didn't matter because they had, you know, four other borderline NBA prospects on that team. Um, so it's just with, with green, it's, it's definitely different. He was playing like, and that's what makes some of the flashes even more intriguing. But I just think like, I would almost say I value big men more in a sense now that they're be, it's becoming harder to be a good big man in the NBA, big man mm-hmm. in the NBA, because if you do have all of those skills together, um, that's incredibly difficult to find. Um, but yeah, that'll be my last thing on that. But I, 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 I just think it's gotta be Mobley. It's, I really hope Raphael Stone takes Mobley because I, with, and hey, you can have like Twin Towers 2.0 and just hope yeah, that exactly. one of them doesn't have Ralph Sampson injury issues. <laughs> I mean, the last uh, the last three times the Rockets had a top three pick, all three of them were number one, but um, they were all big men with uh, Yao Ming, Hakeem mm-hmm. Olajuwon, and Ralph Sampson. So hopefully this year, um, maybe we bring in a fourth one and Evan Mobley and we see what happens. He does have that uh, a little bit of the USC connection with Kevin Porter Jr. as well. Uh, both of them were number four there too. So that'll be, you know, nice little fun fact. Yeah. But we're going to move on because the Rockets have two more picks later on in the draft at number 23 and number 24. Um, there's a few different ways they can go about it. So I'll ask you a couple questions. But mm-hmm. first, first, um, who do you have in that 23 and 24 spot? Uh, and who, how, yeah, who do you have in the 23 and 24 spot? That'll be my first question. Yeah. So, I have so my 23 is uh, Bones Highland. Uh, he's a, I guess I would call him a combo guard out of uh, Virginia Commonwealth. Um, he is super herky jerky. Like, I think he might end up being more of a six man in the NBA, but regardless, I think he just he scores incredibly well. He's got a really good handle, got good passing feel, competes defensively, but he's a little bit small. Like, he's 6'3, um, and I think that's issues. I didn't check his combine measurements. Um, for the most part, I would just say to random aside, like combine measurements don't really do anything for me. Um, yeah. like you can just kind of tell watching people on court, like Sharif Cooper is not six foot four. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just false. Um, I, they, and of course they didn't amend it. I, I am assuming that they're not going to, he's not six foot four, not even close. I was watching him today. I was like, yeah, no, he's six foot at best. Um, <laughs> like with uh sorry i got derailed but with 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 uh with bones which first of all awesome just absolutely elite name um, <laughs> great nickname Fantastic. yeah he had he had this thing that happened actually when he was uh i think it was when he was at vcu or it might have been when he was in high school part of the reason why he was um a little bit more of a late bloomer uh he 
had to jump out of a uh, his apartment because it was on fire uh, and like shattered one of his bones. I think it was his tibia. Um, so he has like this kind of uh, like he has some crazy bend and flexibility that uh, you really wouldn't expect out of somebody like his, the, one of the things I posted a picture of Trey Mann. Today. I saw, yeah, yeah, I saw the picture of Trey Mann earlier. Yeah, like Bone Bones Highland does that kind of stuff routinely. Guys who can wow. get uh, parallel with the ground with their shins is like absolutely absurd. That shows a lot of power generation. He has a good first step, um, and he can just kind of light it up from anywhere. So I like him a lot. Um, I know he impressed in draft workouts today, which again, I never know what to take from that. Uh, just given some of the, the mouthpiece stuff that happens with talking about stuff going on at the combine or draft prospects in general, but I like him a lot. My 24 is probably my favorite prospect in the draft. Um, I'm a lot higher on him than I think most people are. Um, a lot of the people I really trust are high on him as well. And he's somebody who I think, uh, should be getting more looks at, um, just outside the lottery and that's Terrence Shannon jr. Um, from right outside Houston, Texas. Well, it's not right outside Houston. I think Lubbock's like what four hours west of Lubbock. No, like Lubbock's like it's a, far. I know it's far. I don't, yeah, it's in the Texas it's in the is so hand. big, man. I have no idea. It, that's up near. Uh, that's up near Oklahoma. But okay. he's he's, he's, he's somebody, a Texan. Somebody close. He's a Texan. Yeah. Well, Terrence Shannon Jr. is my favorite pro- prospect in the draft. Just about. Um, wow. He is. I wouldn't call him. He's not a project to me. Um, he's somebody who already is going to come in and be incredibly. Uh, gifted defensively uh, he covers ground really really well uh, six foot six I think he has a six foot eight or six foot nine wingspan um, after the combine uh, just really fun toolsy wing who I think if you can just clean up some of his stuff he's going to be a really productive player in the NBA I think he's going to be a plus starter um, the one thing with him right now is his shot is really funky but there are a lot of things that you can clean up and it still hit well last year but um he does this thing and my guy pd webb who is like my person i go to for a lot of draft stuff um he did a really good article on uh i'm looking at terrence shannon's footwork on on shooting that's his biggest thing right now he has to change up how he shoots because he's capable of hitting a spot up but the way that he organizes himself and and sets up his footwork doesn't really relay to uh to shooting anything off the dribble or doing any kind of versatile three-point shooting which is going to be big for him, you know, finding ways to come off screens and uh, do stuff off movement. But uh, he has, he's mostly left-hand dominant with his, uh, his game overall, but also with his handle. And that's the other thing that he has to clean up. He's not really great switching to his right hand, but he's already a good finisher. He can finish above the rim. He actually just had a sick dunk. I think it was yesterday sent Yves Pons into the abyss. Um, Absolutely fantastic. I recommend looking that up. Um, but I just really like him. I think if you can just – if his tools hit on top of what he already brings, uh, he's going to be a really good player in the NBA. So he's right there for me at 24. Yeah, that's great insight on two players that, you know, I know a lot of people aren't really looking at in that area. And uh, in terms of Bones Highland, like I've, I've seen him a little bit higher. I've seen him a little bit lower. Um, I know a lot of Rockets fans haven't really brought him up, but I've seen some of his comparisons be very like closer to, you know, like, uh, 
a Jamal Crawford type mm-hmm. or a Jordan Clarkson type. And we have a guy like that sort of, in my opinion, and Eric Gordon, a very shifty guard, um, knows how to use his weight properly. And so if, if Eric Gordon is still on the team come next year, I know you're a, you're a Pacers fan and a lot of Rockets fans have been hoping that uh, we, we somehow send Eric Gordon back home. Um, but if Eric Gordon's still on the Rockets come next year, I think that's a great player for, uh, for Bones Highland to learn from. I mean, he played the one, Definitely. he played the two, he played the three. They're both six foot three, uh, similar, high, like similar build sort of, I mean, Gordon's a little bit bigger, uh, but he has also got, you know, about 10 years on him. Um, but, you know, similar playing style. So that's, that would definitely be helpful and kind of, uh, ushering in a new era next to Kevin Porter Jr. And, and whoever else they potentially draft. Um, you know, we talk about the draft and we talk about how there's these different tiers in terms of, uh, you know, where players should go. And so we know there's, you know, very, there's a pretty clear cut number one. There's a pretty clear cut number top three. Um, and then, you know, that top five is getting a little confusing. You know, some people have Kaminga slipping down to six. I've seen him mm-hmm. even down to seven on some boards. You had him very low on your board. Um, but I want to know where uh, where do you see kind of like a tear gap in this in this draft uh, around that 20 spot? that you think the Rockets can use like a 23 and 24 pick to trade up into that higher tier of players. And who do you think they could try, they could target with that? Yeah. Um, so I would say on Kaminga, um, my thing with him, I really try not to be, uh, um, I, I don't want to like group think all my picks and put them together. Like everyone else does. I think the general consensus has been Kaminga at five um, again and talking to people and going through stuff just in watching his film too, like I know it was uh, like you, you make such a good point with talking about him playing in the G League. I just don't know how much different it is in college. Um, That's fair. A lot of yeah. it with him is like his efficiency is ridiculously bad. Yeah. Uh, and it's not even just the efficiency. <laughs> I don't want to come off like that. It's like I think he had like 43% true shooting in the G League, which is is rough. Um, it might have been a little bit higher, but not by much. I think it's supposed to be, like he shot below, below 40% from the field, below 30% from three and barely 60% from the line. Um, yeah, not, and not it's less about that. Numbers. It's more just uh, I'm just not sure what people are expecting. Like, I think the expectations are a little too high for him right now. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, I do think there's like a legitimate chance. Okay. If he's able to put everything together, he's going to be fantastic. I think he could be an all-star. I think he could be, a, just a high level player, but I think it's more likely that he tweaks a lot of things. Um, and you, you know, a, a player dev st- staff really works with him towards being a, a really high level role player, um, who is still a starter for sure. But I think it's just tough for me to look at that G League season and be really confident or take away a lot in terms of what he's going to do as a creator in, in the NBA. Like, he has moments where it looks like, wow, this guy could be. Um, you know, a lead initiator on a really good team. But then there are also moments too, where it's like the passing just isn't there. Uh, The shot is very hit or miss. I mean, I'm sure that'll come along eventually. He's a lot more comfortable and better from mid range than he is from outside, which isn't a bad thing. I actually like, I like guys coming in like that because you have that baseline. If you can just hit the three from there on out, you're good. Um, But I just think the uh, he's really, a late bloomer with basketball and it shows on court a lot. Um, and it's, 
I just think a lot of it's going to be very fit dependent and context driven for him. Is he going to be able like, I ideally want him to go to a place where he can be on, I'm, I, he's not going to get to go to a good team, but I would like him to go on a place where he's not going to be asked to, to take 20 shots a game within two or three years. Like, I just think that that's asking way too much. Um, I, I think he could maybe grow into that role. Um, but I just don't think that he's ready for that yet. I think he's been playing basketball for what, like three and a half or four years now. Like he just came to the U S yeah. when he was 15, I think. Um, and it's just, I, I just, I'm not quite there with it yet. And I think I, I just worry that people are getting a little bit too high on him. Um, and that could end up to him having a really rough transition to the NBA. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of where, where I'm at, like I get has reticent to release big boards and stuff because I don't want to like make it seem like I'm down on somebody. Like I do like him a lot. Yeah, for sure. Be good. But it's just like, like, like we talked about with Marvin Bagley, like, a lot of this is not on Marvin Bagley. It's just injuries suck. Yeah. And sometimes people pick you too high and it gets used against you. Um, sometimes the situation is just bad. Sometimes, yeah, you know, you're just exactly you're just like picked by if the, he doesn't get selected to Sacramento, I think it's very different. I mean, yeah, he's had what three head coaches now uh, or no two head coaches still, but somehow Luke Walton is still there. I have no idea why, <laughs> um, but it, it did trust me man i that's an entire podcast but yeah, Walton sure. sucks. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> bad person on and off the court um but yeah if, if let's say if he's in san antonio or something and, and just a better spot overall like that could look different so yeah. i think it's really important for Kaminga to go somewhere that's going to be good for him and i just i i'm i'm a little bit um higher on some of the guys and, and what their uh overall outlook is compared to him i apologize if i got totally off track from your question, oh no it's but. fine i mean that's all, that's still good insight on coming mm -hmm. as well um but the, yeah to to reiterate the question um that 23 and 24 pick do you think there's kind of a where, where do you think that packaging those picks can tr get them to trade up to is there a player that you think is worth trading up for in that in that you know realm yeah um I guess I would say, I mean, it's, it's always worth doing, but I, I just don't know. Like, I mean, to me, I'm not sure if packaging 23 and 24 together gets you into the late lottery. Like if you can, that would be awesome. Um, I'm just not sure how teams are viewing the draft personally. Um, right. Like I do think there's kind of a cutoff for me, like where my tier would probably end is after like the 15th pick. Um, Cause I have Jalen Johnson 15th. And then after that, I'm like, I like the guys, but I think it's more, uh, um, like that's where my cutoff kind of is from guys who I think are going to be really quality stars in the NBA to guys who I still think have that potential, but it's just going to be a little bit more difficult to see them translating that way. Um, so like if they could move up a guy like Jalen Johnson would be awesome. Like everybody wants a, a forward who can, who can handle, who can pass. Um, he's hard to evaluate because he played so little at Duke. Um, yeah. and the, discussion around that was disgusting i can't stand a lot of the, the uh big time ncaa guys who went after him for, for leaving duke <laughs> uh but agreed yeah um i mean i do like there's this guy named rocco precaution who i think is probably going to go yeah. way later um but i'm i'm high on him um again my guy pd webb put me onto him and i think went back through and watched his stuff he's going to be really good um he's out of i think the the place is chibona um i can't remember where it's at off the top of my head but uh, really interesting uh, six foot eight, six foot nine uh, forward who can kind of do a little bit of everything. He's not going to be a rim protector, but he's a really good positional defender, can make quality rotations, um, can handle the ball pretty well. 
a lot of it's just going to be dependent on what happens with the shot, which is why I'm a little bit lower on him because I'm not sure what it's what's going to happen with the shot. But he's got really good craft getting to the rim, uh, makes some quality passes and reads. And he's somebody who I think you can look at as more of like a modern four who is that guy that everybody's looking for, who can yeah, who can play defense, can make backline rotations, can can hopefully theoretically shoot, but can also self-create a little bit. Um, like he has some stuff out of the post. He just overall, I like him a lot. Um, he's somebody who would be intriguing to me to move up and, and pick. Uh, Zaire Williams, I, I'm, I'm very mixed on Zaire Williams. I like him a lot. Um, he's somebody who I, I mean, like, I frankly would be willing to pick to trade up and pick him if I'm Houston, but I also have no I would idea. Too. <laughs> like he might, he might fall down. I, I don't know where people like, I've seen people mock him in the top 10. Um, I've seen people mock him almost to 30. Like, I'm just not sure what, what's actually going to happen with him. I, um, so when it hits, it's really good. The best way that I've seen it put, um, was, it, the, the shot is really cool. It looks great, but at some point it has to go in and it, it doesn't with, with consistency. He had a really rough year at Stanford. Um, like I think he started yeah. the year mocked in the top 10 easily for most people, yeah. but I mean, he dealt with injuries. Um, the consistency was really a problem for him. And my thing with him is I just am not sure how he's uh, creating at the next level. Like he can create his own shot, but just not at a high level. Um, where is he going that he's going to get those reps and opportunities early on? Um, I mean, his passing is fantastic. I really like his passing. He's just a smart player. Um, he finds good reads. Uh, I think I view him more as somebody who's going to end up being like a, a wing connector type um, because I don't think he can really bend a defense. Um, like he just – he has a good handle for his size, but he has no burst or first step. Um, so routinely that's why he's getting into these 18 foot step backs or, or taking off the dribble threes because he can't blow by anybody. Um, so I'm just interested to see how that plays out. He's definitely like, I don't like using the term project, but he is, if there is somebody who is more of a project in the first round, he's somebody who I would put up there. Um, but I mean, if the shot hits, it's going to be good, um, with him, but I just think he's going to end up being more of less of like a quote unquote star player, more of a, an ancillary guy, but he's somebody I'd be willing to trade up for. I just don't know, uh, you know, depending on what Houston's trying to do, given how Tillman Fertitta is, I'm not really that confident that they're going to actually be doing like a full on rebuild. Yeah. It really feels to me like they're just going to try and uh, take this pick and run and try and put butts in the seat because that's what shitty owners do. Um, so true. <laughs> I'm not really, sure. yeah, I'm not entirely sure what to make of that. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've liked, I've liked Raphael Stone so far, um, but again, it's hard to hard to tell with that ownership. Um, yeah, but, I yeah. think a lot of it was Stone and Silas. Um, I've and I like through. I like Paul Silas a lot. Yeah, I yeah. I mean Stephen Silas. Yeah. I felt think of his dad. I felt so <laughs> bad for him this entire year, man. Yeah, he, he, a lot of people were trying course. to like scapegoat him out, um, but you know both him and stone i think you give them a full year you give them a full off season without any drama or people wanting to leave and all that stuff and you really see what they can do uh so far i've really liked you know stone and the the new the new rockets front office in terms of um you know being able to recognize talent i mean Jay Sean Tate was an incredible signing although I, that might have been a will weaver contingency uh, or maybe the other way around. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, you got him, you, you're able to get Kevin Porter Jr. You 
uh, are able to convince Christian Wood to come over. You find KJ Martin at the 52nd pick. Who is awesome. Who's awesome. I, I could have a whole podcast about <laughs> KJ Martin. Uh, and then also, you know, we had a lot of injuries to so some of the guys we picked up throughout the year with like Armani Brooks, Cam Oliver, Kyrie Thomas, even who had a lot of good minutes uh, towards the end of the season. So there's a lot of different routes the Rockets can go. I do think they might end up putting all their eggs in one basket, but there was an athletic article that came out last week and um, Rafael Stone said that he feels like he's going to be drafting young. He's going to be drafting for potential I want to know who do you think in that back end of the draft towards that, you know, those Rockets picks, or even maybe in the second round, who do you think has the highest potential in that area? And then who do you think is probably the most sure thing that, you know, they're going to be able to be a good role player, but you know, maybe not anything more. And that's why they're slipping down to that 20, you know, third, 24th spot or wherever. Um, wow. Uh, I think, yeah, in terms of a guy who is definitely more boomer bust, like I think he's probably gonna go a little bit higher. But Kai Jones is for sure uh, that guy I who agree. you look at like he could be freaking fantastic. But I also um, am just not sure. Like if 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 things don't work out for him, I don't know if he has a place uh, in the NBA full time. Um, like the floor is really low for him because he's again he's another guy who's really new to basketball. Um, but the 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 flashes are like insane for him. Um, somebody who I guess I would consider more of like a, I don't want to say like everybody's going to improve. They're all young guys for right. the most part. Like Chris Duarte is a guy who's pretty, like if he were two years younger, he's probably a lottery pick. I think he's 24 already. Um, so like, that's oh, wow. probably a turnoff for most teams. And I mean, I get it. It kind of should be, and he might end up looking a lot better in the NBA than guys that go ahead of him. Um, but I think that's part of the gamble of the draft. You, you know, if you're a team that's trying to hit big or find guys who can be at a higher level for you, then you're probably not going to draft the guy who's 24 years old. He's going to be 28 when his rookie deals up, man. Like most of the guys who are drafted, um, in the first round are going to probably won't even be 24 by the end of their rookie deal. Um, I guess another guy who I'd consider more of a quote unquote finished product, like another Texas guy in Davion Mitchell, um, who like I think a lot of people were pissed. I had him at 27th. I um, saw that. Yeah. Which is definitely <laughs> lower, but like I get frustrated. Like we do this every year where we give somebody a tournament bump, and it's Ben Davion Mitchell this year. Like he's getting mocked seven after being in the 20s for most. I've seen years. a lot of people have him at six too. Yeah. Like most of this year, he was he was in the 20s. Um, and then he has a really good tournament run. And that's not to knock him, but like, okay, I just we've done this so many times where we 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 boost somebody because of a tournament run and does it really end up doing anything positive for them? I don't know. Like there are very few guys who I look at, like other than maybe Dante DiVincenzo. Um, like he was a big tourney run guy. He was a six man at, at Villanova and then ends yeah. up going in the first round. Um, I don't really see that with Davion. Like, I think he's going to be really good. I was just watching him today. Um, but I just don't, I don't, I do not see top 10 pick there. Um, but he's somebody who like, I think he's going to be really good in the NBA uh, brings, you know, point of attack defense um, can create off the dribble as a solid passer. Um, I think he's a little bit more of a combo guard than a lead guard, in my opinion, but um, he's just somebody who has tools, can use them. That's, that's valuable. Um, I actually would probably bring up Jared Butler, but I don't know what's, what's, what his health situation is. I know he's had heart problems in the past. Yeah. Um, and it was really sad to see that pop up yesterday uh, during the combine. 
So I don't know if he's even going to be draft eligible. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the guy that I mentioned, Davion Mitchell, for sure, right there. And then, you know, in terms of Davion Mitchell, uh, you know, I had a, had a run that was a little similar to his namesake. A lot of people were putting out, even he does Donovan, wear 45 too. He does, he does wear 45. And, uh, you know, they, they played a similar style, at least during that tournament run. You saw a little bit of flashes of Donovan, but I don't think he will be a Donovan. You were talking about, you know, Duarte as an older guy as well. You know, Davion Mitchell will probably be 20, he'll be 23 by the time the season starts. Mm-hmm. So he's another one of those older guys who, um, he came under measurement in, in the draft combine, came in at six feet. Everyone thought he would be closer to about six one, six two. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see whether or not people, people like him because I also see him kind of as a combo guard. But at six feet tall, I mean, one of the biggest knocks for Donovan Mitchell is just he's too small. You know, he's a, he's a two guard at six foot one. And, uh, you know, Davion Mitchell is shorter than that. So, how how much does that really go into weight? Although he does, he is a you know pretty hefty guy. Um, definitely knows how to use his weight well. But that back that back end of the draft is very interesting. Something that I've been saying for a long time is that we just don't have enough information on a lot of these guys this year, and that's why these draft you know you see a lot of these big boards, these mock drafts, all that. But there's guys all over the place. Uh, we just don't know enough information. We've seen maybe 20 to 25 games for some of them, and that's on the higher end. Um, and, you know, for a lot of these guys, we saw even less than that in a very weird environment with no fans, no, you know, limited practice at, at school. A lot of them, you know, in the under NCAA regulations for COVID this year, uh, the G League guys playing in a bubble environment, very different environment than normal. So, uh, I've said, you know, even, even, you know, the scouts going to, to games, being able to go to games, talk to the coaches, talk to the players, get to know them, maybe talk to some family. Um, all of that kind of went out the window this year. So mm-hmm. a lot of it was just scouts sitting on their couch, watching TV, like any of us would do. And, uh, and so it's, it's going to be very different. I think there's going to be a lot of weight on how players do in this combine, how they measure in, how they perform in these little five-on-five runs that have been happening. Um, and so we're going to see some movers and shakers. We're already kind of seeing different guys move up and down in the draft uh, just over the last couple of days based on how they've done. We've seen guys like uh, JT Thor get, get a huge, huge like boost over the last week or so. Uh, because the measurements came in well, he shot well from three and uh, people are just kind of getting a little bit more look at him. And so I, you know, even though we say all this right now, come a month from now, I've, a lot of this, a lot of this can change. So it was very nice having you on here. This is a lot of fun. Uh, nice to get some insight on some of these guys. Is there anything that you want to plug before we, uh, we leave or is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I really appreciate you having me on, man. I really enjoy it anytime we, we get to connect on, uh, on on Twitter. So it's been For sure. Cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, if my the, the one thing I, I'm writing something probably tonight or tomorrow, uh, just the, over some other stuff. I'm working on more draft stuff, but I wrote an article that ended up being way too long on James Book Night. Uh, <laughs> a couple, I think that was two weeks ago now. Um, that's my top pin thing on Twitter. So I recommend reading that because I, uh, put a lot of work into it. Um, I think it gives you a really good comprehensive look at, at, at James's game. I really like him a lot. I think he's going to be very good in the NBA. Um, and I'm just, 
you know, I'd love to hear what, what, what other people think. Cause I got a lot of really good feedback on it too. And I know people are kind of all over the board with him. He's uh, he's jumped a lot um, over the last month and a half. Um, but he's somebody I'm really interested in following and seeing what happens with him. But yeah, that, that I would put that. And then also I, I'll just plug my Twitter. It's at uh, M Schindler MBA spelled just like the list. I've never seen the movie, but it's the easiest way to <laughs> explain it to people. But yeah, I appreciate having me on, man. Yeah, thank you. And uh, definitely give Mark a follow. He's one of the better follows on Twitter, in my opinion. And uh, a lot of people love Book Night. I've, I've heard a lot about him coming up. And I did read your article, and it was fantastic. So everybody Appreciate it, man. Go, go give that a check out. Uh, to everybody listening, thank you so much for listening. I know everybody should be just as ecstatic as I am about the Rockets getting the second pick. Uh, hopefully, come draft day, we'll be able to celebrate who we draft. Hopefully, the front office doesn't mess it up. Uh, over the course of the next month, you'll be able to hear a little bit more draft insight from a few other people out on the show, as well as hopefully some other cool things I'll be able to bring. But until then, thank you so much for listening and go Rockets.